Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 601 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I have my phone muted, and I'm all ready to go. Well, listen, I almost called you Hard Reset Skype, so... <laughs> oh, boy. That's some lag. Could we say that on the show? I don't know. Yeah, well, we just did. Okay. No, what we I mean usually is get, that's we, we usually get you behind the curtain on After Dark. Mm-hmm. Get a little behind the curtain here on the main show to lead you up front. Oh, that's right. We're curtain pullers. Mm-hmm. We're exposing the business of podcasting. That's what we do. Uh, speaking of... Let's make this a short show, Todd. We said it. <laughs> uh, I'm forgetting to do that lately, but glad you got it. Go ahead. That's all right. Listen, somebody has to. Um, news this week includes uh, the writers scrambling to save maybe our favorite comic book related TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, to no surprise, uh, DC com- cancels a movie tie-in comic book. <laughs> And uh, Marvel decides to announce uh, their next big Avengers book at a convention as opposed to, uh, you know, the normal places they announce these things. Game Radar or whatever it is. Right. Uh, Or like Entertainment Weekly or something. Mm -hmm. The Return of the Rob Watch. Conventions this weekend. What we read this week, which includes One Star Squadron number five and Little Monsters number two. What we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, The results of this week's uh, Silver Standard Battle for Second Place, Rogues Gallery, the next matchup, and our individual pitches uh, for these characters, plus discussion of the latest episode of Moon Knight. Yeah, everything ready to go. Oh, boy. I tell you, those, those big silences scare me. Well, I was muting so I could sneeze, so there's not much I could have done. Gotcha. I'm not apologizing to anyone. That's just the way that it is. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, we had discussed here uh, recently the delays of a bunch of the DC comic book movies. Right. And then when DC changed the upcoming, I think it comes out this week, Flashpoint Beyond book to a bi-weekly book to a monthly book, we had speculated and postulated that with the delay of the Flash movie from November of this year to the summer of next year, was the delay of the Flashpoint Beyond book done because it doesn't need to be traded and ready to go um, for November. And then I think we kind of sort of forgot about that movie prequel book. Right. Um, or yeah, movie prequel miniseries that definitely was supposed to be finished and ready to go by the time the movie came out. And now with the delay of the movie, DC has canceled that miniseries and, uh, we really haven't gotten into it, but, um, Ezra Miller, I hope he's okay. I agree. And I think that has more to do with it than the movie being pushed back. Well, you know, I think a lot of those movies got pushed back for a variety of reasons. And again, I think that's not the worst speculation in the world that maybe Ezra Miller's erratic behavior is what caused, like, the whole slate of films to be moved back, which makes me wonder if, and again, obviously, an online petition means nothing, especially when we get into our next news story, which is about (laughs) an online petition, essentially. 
um, that people were just saying that they should cast Grant Gustin. Or I don't know if you remember, if you're aware of this, um, there was a Netflix movie that your boy um, Snyder did that came out. It was a Netflix only movie about zombies last year. Yeah, I, I kind of like I was it place place in Las Vegas or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of it. Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead. Something to the Dead. Something to the Dead. Right. Right. It's a rule to call zombies movies of the dead. Yes. So they had filmed stuff with uh, a comedian who got canceled, mm-hmm. whose name is escaping me right now. But I but know they who just, they. Re- Replaced it with a, an yes. act, a comedian named Tig Notaro. Yes, and they replaced him with Tig Notaro. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad that I can't remember the name of the canceled uh, comedian, but that's okay. He doesn't need our publicity here. <laughs> right. Um, but I wonder if, obviously, to do it with a third or a fourth listed character in the movie is one thing, but to replace like the entire film with a new actor might be a little bit asking a little bit too much. Right, and Michael Keaton's like, I signed up for this. Yeah. But I don't know. We'll see. Because the real test will be is one of those uh, You're a Wizard Harry movies is coming out this week. Uh-huh. And he, Ezra's in that. Oh, he is. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Like, that's like they derailing the Potter train, so with a week out. Um, so no, we'll see no. How, how, they they had Mads Mikkelsen on the... Uh, the interview tour this past weekend making fun of Jared Leto for method acting. So they're okay. <laughs> right, right. Um, Chris D'Elia was the name of the comedian. Don't know it. Yeah, you're better off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will never forget many years ago when the Flash TV show debuted and we watched it on a Tuesday and it was great. And we came into the comic book shop to talk about how much we enjoyed it and how good we thought Grant Gustin was as the Flash. And it was that day that they announced the full slate of DC movies that were coming after mm-hmm. like a week or two earlier, saying that we're like, oh, we're too, it's too early for us to have like a self, like a, a contained cinematic universe like Marvel does, you know? Right. And in part of the announcement with them announcing a Flash movie, Specifically, they said it's going to be a different person that's playing the Flash on TV. Right. And then uh, in the movies, like, they they announced that it was coming out. And with the Flash movie, it was like, each time you heard there was, like, a new director. There was, like, new new 52 actually directors (laughs) to do that movie. And then I was like, I don't know. Like, I I hope it it comes out at some point, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't think they can scrap the movie, especially if it's part of the cinematic universe that they're trying to make. But I don't know. They could certainly do something, you know? Well, you just do it. And then the flashpoint changes Ezra Miller into Gustin Grant and boom, keep running with it. (laughs) Right. Uh, So we talk about online petitions and, you know, how none of that stuff really means anything. And on one hand, yes, it sadly means nothing. Uh, but the writers and people behind Legends of Tomorrow have the hashtag uh, Renew Legends of Tomorrow and Renew Batwoman as well. Mm-hmm. And they have a whole schedule of what you're supposed to do on social media. Um, you know, make your memes. They have certain power hours that you're supposed to be tweeting during certain focused hours. Your favorite scenes, your favorite characters, uh, your favorite stuff like this. 
and listen, I love Legends of Tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Um, I'm trying to limit my social media use. Well, not for this. One week is you can come back. I don't know. What, I went I, and I followed everyone from the show accounts. I'll go and I'll retweet stuff. Um, some of the memes that people made are bad. Um, but, you know, if this is what they think and this is what they feel is going to convince the studio to give them another season, then I say, by all means. Right. Uh, uh, lesser shows have gotten uh, a second season for less. I agree. Now, are they, I think all the tweets and memes and whatever should be wig related to really push the point home. Right. But I, alas, they probably won't be. I mean, I hope it works. I'm of the mind like, you know, hey, they brought the Snyderverse back for one half of a movie. And, yeah. you know, Futurama came back with Bender. So it always works, you know. There's been too many precedents set. That I feel as though it empowers everyone that a hashtag is going to bring your favorite thing back, you know? Right. Br- hashtag bring back great bubble yum. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Eventually, like, who who's the maker of bubble yum? I don't know. Um, I think it's – I, I, I'll have to look it up. Why? No, I was going to say, because if they have a social media presence, we could start harassing them. And again, this is from – so – and you, you might even say to yourself, well, Joe, wait a minute. Don't you regularly tweet out unwieldy hashtags and tag multiple people and trying to get your friends' action figures? Yes, I do. And hasn't it worked two times? It's actually worked three times, but okay. who's counting? Mm-hmm. Uh, one time uh, I'm going to call getting Orange Cassidy to the Fast and Furious premiere as a wash because of the pandemic and the movie got delayed and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll say it worked three times and it's currently working a fourth time, maybe. Um, but more times than not, like, again, I hate to peel back the curtain on all this stuff, but it's done as a goof, you know, like it's very clear that these people are going to be getting figures. What? And by me having an unwieldy, ungoogleable, unkeep up withable hashtag, mm-hmm. and then they get a figure, I could say, oh, my thing worked, you know? Now. It's like my walk that keeps tigers away. Your what? My rock that keeps tigers away. (laughs) You see any tigers around here? But the way I look at it is, are you saying that my uh, release the Smokey is the bandit cut is a ridiculous hashtag? No, that's the one that's going to work. Oh, okay, good. (laughs) I was worried. And Bubble Yum owned by Hershey. Okay. The little chocolate company. I don't know. Have you heard of them? Well, listen, uh, they they have a physical presence not two hours from where we live, you know? Oh, we should it's, go. It's one thing to send out a tweet, but it's another thing to go up to Mr. Hershey's door and say, listen. <laughs> right. <laughs> kick kick down the chocolate. The guy dresses a chocolate bar and demand it. You know, and I will say this. So at the Hershey, uh, like, amusement park, whatever, mm-hmm. they'll have, like, oddball stuff that you could only get there. Right. Next time I go... I'm going to have my eyes peeled. It's only grape bubble yum. That's the only flavor because they still make other. They only, they make other. I wonder if that was like a, a flavoring that like did something to you, you know, I'll take my chances. I would too for the, you know, my mom, I mean, my mouth still waters thinking about grape bubble yum. Oh, good stuff. Uh, so last from the news, uh, at 
Philly Fan Expo uh, this past weekend. Fan Expo Philly, whatever. Uh, Marvel announced that they're going to be doing a new Avengers book called All Out Avengers uh, in the vein of nonstop Spider-Man, where it's just kind of like a self-contained thing. Um, All action, you know, so on and so forth. Derek Landy is going to be the writer uh, with Greg Land on art. Uh, It's slated to come out this September. Um, Do you... Okay, so it's interesting to see Marvel or any of the big companies announce a new book at like a non-San Diego, non-New you know, York, non-whatever, but also Marvel not announce something in like a non-comic book trade or publication like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, like Variety or Entertainment Weekly or something like that. Right. It's very it's it's very weird and very nostalgic for me, Joe. Yes. Uh, you know, to find out about a book at a convention, you know, and social media is going to get that stuff out in a much quicker fashion. But uh, still announcing things at a comic book convention is quaint. Yeah, I, I it brings me back, and I and I hope they do it more. I can understand you don't want maybe you don't do it with everything, and but it just seems like the the big the big uh, news sites. That's all like movie and TV talk. That's all they want. They don't care about the next Marvel or DC comic project. So I think that could make conventions special again. Yeah, and the fact that uh, I don't know if it was that one, but I saw another bit of news with it is that uh, Dan Didio was at one of the cons we mentioned last week. And I guess that the that it's been one year, so he could talk about DC now. I guess, and I guess he was like spilling some stuff at one of the cons uh, to people. So I, I kind of want to go to any show that Dan Didio is at now. So between new new books being mentioned and that, oh, give me cons, Joe. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. The Rob Watch. Speaking of cons, Todd, it's time for the return of the Rob Watch. Mm -hmm. We talked about Fan Expo Philly. And just this past Tuesday, the Rob took to his social media to bury Fan Expo. Fan Expo has one show that does well, Orlando, and pays for all the other flops. (laughs) I did one year with them in 2018. Now, please let me continue before you point out the obvious thing in this next statement that the Rob says, okay? (laughs) Okay, I won't say nothing, Joe. Okay, they have a deliberate pattern they follow. They are the new wizard. Uh, He mentions then in the comments as people are pointing things out to him, he says that I was asked to do uh, the Chicago one and I declined. Um, It feels as though this lineup, even with Frank Miller... Um, They're not going to be able to draw anyone except for Orlando. Then he gets sidetracked and says that he doesn't uh, do conventions for a free vacation anymore. Uh, Points out that he has no horse in this race. I'm just sharing this very pointed and direct post. I'm not even friends with them. Just emphasizes all I hear. As I said, Fan Expo dines out on Orlando and the rest are the same formula. Uh, He's worried. He's doing this because he's worried that his comic selling brothers and sisters are being lured into these money changer corporate cons 
and it's going to result in a retailer famine. Okay, uh, I don't understand any of that, but go ahead. Okay, so and like people are just commenting, like I was th- so okay, so so Rob is just saying that Fan Expo is bad, right? That they run a sloppy ship, if you would. Okay, that fair. nobody goes to their conventions, even with big lineups. They spend all this money and they lose it. And the only convention that they do that makes money is Orlando. And he right. claims that Orlando is a different formula than all the other conventions, which I do disagree with. They're all the same formula. You know, whether it's Orlando or Philly or Chicago or Toronto or wherever Fan Expo goes, it's usually the same exact formula, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And it's just, you know, Rob kind of burying them, saying all this, uh, uh, like, how bad they run things. It's the same show two years in a row. They don't bring new people in, even though this year he mentions that they brought Frank Miller in, who's a new person. Um, So he's, like, contradicting himself all throughout this. Mm -hmm. But, like, it... Anybody in the comments who points out to him that Fan Expo bought Wizard, um, he kind of shouts them down. Okay. Um, the fact that he just wants to say, like, I initially said that Fan Expo is the new wizard. Don't tell me that they bought Wizard and are just rerunning all of their old towns. Which is exactly what they're doing. Which is exactly what they're doing, but don't tell me that's what they're doing. I made a statement. They're the new wizard, and I'm right. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not wrong, so... Right. Um, but, yeah, it's and I think... Uh, I, I think part of this might be that he he throws in there that they asked him to do Chicago, mm-hmm. and he turned them down. I'm gonna guess that maybe they lowballed him. That could be a possibility. And again, I'm just speculating, knowing the Rob in the way that I do. Uh, you know, there was a time where I was a, a, a the Rob understander, mm-hmm. uh, but I've kind of let that callous over a little bit. But uh, yeah, the Rob was very upset about Fan Expo today. Yeah, you figure, I don't know, pretty soon there'll be no cons between Big Apple, now Fan Expo. Uh, He's got a track record, so. He certainly does. Now, there is a convention this weekend that appears to be independently owned for the time (laughs) being. Uh, Indiana Comic Con. Uh, They are doing like a big multimedia thing with it as well. Right. Indiana Uh, Con. Uh, Indiana Comic Convention, yes. Right, we named the con Indiana, Joe. No, we named the con after the dog. Right. Um, there's tons of people going to be there. There's tons, like, there's an adjacent, like, wrestling con that's separate from this. And I know you'll be happy about that. They're they're not letting the wrestling people mingle in with the regular convention folks. Well, what, separate but equal cons now, or what? Well, I think it's like, if you like wrestling, you're over here. If you like everything else, you're over here. Right. Uh, maybe it's a way to squeeze two tickets out of people. I'm just saying. I think it's a way to catch felons at the wrestling con. <laughs> <laughs> um, but some of the notable folks at the Indiana Comic Con include Scott Collins, uh, one of my favorite artists. Right. Uh, Jamie Farr, uh, my favorite member of the cast of MASH. Right. And Paulie Shore, my favorite son-in-law. <laughs> okay. I was more of a... He's my favorite Biodome guy. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think I may have been... I, I don't know the chronology of things, but I don't have the same affinity uh, for Biodome or In the Army Now 
or jury duty <laughs> as I do for son-in-law. Okay. I'm actually more of an Encino man, man. Oh, okay. So <laughs> where he just had the bit role, you know, he didn't take right. up all that screen time. Right. Brendan Frazier, you know, his breakout role. Brendan Frazier does a cameo as the Encino man in son-in-law. Oh, wow. That's I'll have to watch that now. So I have all the Encino man movies watched. Yeah. It's part of the Pauly Shore cinematic universe. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Uh, but the link to that is in the show notes, just along with all the links to all the other stuff for the soon-to-be-named network, soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Uh, all the shows in the network, anytime they go live, you can find them there. Anytime the folks from those shows go on other shows, they let, they let me know, they'll show up there as well. Uh, that includes Longbox Heroes, this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, At Odds With Wrestling, we Need Wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Final Wrestling Place, Wings on Wings, Hit My Music, which is back this week, and Porch Talk. Oof, that's a full slate. It is a full slate. I get that. Like, it's all from memory, but they're all in there, just not in the same order all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely check out some of our other friends and their comic book doings online. Uh, you can go check out our friend Kevin Hellions over at his website, MassLibrary.com. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of wrestling stuff, so there's a lot of wrestling content uh, on the front part of stuff. But uh, like I said, he's got his reviews of some of the more Kickstarter-y, more indie stuff that's coming out there from the comic book industry. Uh, you can check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop, uh, freekaratechops.storenv.com. All those cool resin and glow-in-the-dark sci-fi fantasy wrestling figures that he does. Uh, Mike Sterling's blog, ProgressiveRuin.com. A 30-plus year West Coast retailer and his musings and so forth. Uh, listeners of this show, Chris Runt and Jason Sandberg, they did their own self-published comic books, Battle Monsters and Jupiter, respectively. You can check those out in the links. You can get digital copies, and you can maybe even pester them to get physical copies as well. Um, if you're a physical comic book person and you don't have a comic book shop in your area or you don't have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. Comics on the Green has a very strong Facebook presence, Facebook marketplace, announcements of new books that are coming out. If you don't scour through the previews and solicitations like myself and Todd do, you can just follow them. If you don't have a comic book shop in your area, you can sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get your stuff sent to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. And when you get that stuff sent to you, you might get a cool sketch on the package from our friend Becky. You can go check out her social media to see uh, her commissions, progress, all that stuff that she does. Weird sci-fi romance covers that she's been finding and hoarding lately. Right, right. She's becoming quite a historian of like all those companies back from the 50s and 60s. I love it. Yes, yes. When she's not getting prints ready for uh, free comic book day, too. Yes, so. Uh, listen, she's always, she's another one who's always hustling, you know? She is a hustler. Yeah. All right. So, like I said, all that's in the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter how it is that you get these episodes. Uh, Todd, let's get into what we read this past week, uh, starting with the book that I think both of us were most looking forward to, which was One Star Squadron number five. Yes. by Mark uh, Written by uh, Mark Russell with art by Steve Lieber. The penultimate episode issue of this story arc. We don't have the official announcement that they're going to be doing more. My fingers are still crossed. 
hashtag give me another six issues at least of one star squadron from this creative team. Mm-hmm. Um, but we left the last issue where their headquarters, where they run the business out of, has blown up. And this issue is them trying to figure out who done it. Right. And uh, I was shocked to see who done it. Uh, uh, I don't want to spoil it, right? right. And I'm going to – I'll give away who it's not w- without saying it. I felt as though they were kind of trying to red herring us a little bit to make us think that it was Red Tornado who did it. Uh, see, I don't. Okay. See, I thought they were definitely leading us to three, like three suspects – uh, or two two suspects, and it was neither one of them. One for reasons that's very much explained why it can't be, mm-hmm. um, and that's where the book takes like a fun book takes a dark turn, um, and then the other one who maybe gets a face turn. So um, I don't know. Uh, I, I didn't see any of that, but like I said, I just I felt this was the heaviest of yeah. the five issues so far. Right, our, good... our, hero, our heroes are against the ropes at their lowest moment, and, you know, to see how they react is kind of to show what sort of heroes they are, you know? Right, yep. Uh, but I really enjoyed this, and it, it, it made sense with the reveal and the way that Red Tornado kind of reacted to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it fit the way these characters were written in this story arc. right. Um, You know, it's sad to say, like, Power Girl, unfortunately, hasn't been used to her fullest potential in many years. Red Tornado is, you know, take them or leave them. But if you play a little bit with their motivations and character tropes and quirks and stuff in a storyline like this, it's not going to upset the delicate balance of the greater Red Tornado or Power Girl (laughs) mythos. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree there because that's always the plus of playing with lesser characters. You know what I mean? And if in the end, like the heckler or the Tasmanian devil, they do something with it. Like who really cares? That's what these, that's what these characters are there for, you know? Right. And and that's the thing. So you say who really cares? Um, It's, I don't have alerts or anything like that set up, but when I look at social media and I see somebody say blue Beetler. Uh, Booster Gold, Red Tornado, or the Heckler, or whatever it is, I tweet at them unsolicited and say, "Hey, they're in this great book that's currently going on right now." Right, you know? right. And there's always somebody, Joe. I'm still, too, I'm still heartbroken from losing not one but two Rocket Reds in the course of my life. Right. So I get it. I have no problem. I mean, if you have a favorite character, and I never really thought about that. I should do that more, too, if I see somebody like, hey, you know, Power Girl. Like, read One Star Squadron. Let it, you know, you'll get to it. You'll get to the Power Girl, you know? Yeah. And, like, obviously, I could do that for every character in every book and every everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I do it when it's, like, something that's currently, like, an ongoing that you can go and buy, like, the new issues of today. Right. You know, I can sit and set up a vanity search thing for you know, uh, Fred Meyer's boomerang and just <laughs> tweeted everyone like, go buy superior foes of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it's, you know, it's all we could do as comic book people at the part we're in, uh, with, you know, doing the podcast or having a social media presence or whatever it is, uh, is to make people aware of, you know, maybe your favorite character who may not be Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, you know, 
Wolverine that they're in a book right now because the book's yep. not called Red Tornado. The book's called One Star Squadron. And unless somebody tells you that Red Tornado's in there, you might not know Red Tornado's in there. I mean, if you ever saw the covers, he's pretty much on all of them, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but you're not, you know, in comic shops, whatever. And I agree with that. The only one that I won't do it for is hashtag Azrael. So. Oh. Well, he's not in any books because nobody cares about him. That is true. That is true. Yeah. And I only have to tweet two people for that. <laughs> right. That is true. And I'm sure they're both aware, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. They're probably hashtagging each other at that point. Yes. So I'll turn things over to you for the other book that we read this week. Right. The second book is Little Monsters number two, uh, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Dustin Wynn. Um, this is after the first issue, we find out about these children who are in like a an empty world left over, that they're vampires and they're living off like rats and whatever they can find for the blood, but they pretty much have the uh my, like the the life of a child either way. Um and when somebody ends up, uh, they end up finding out that there are people alive. They didn't think there were any left. And um, one of the uh, young vampires drinks the blood. And it kind of changes, as far as I'm concerned, the like outlook and the mental like state of the kids or whatever. Um, and it kind of changes things. Like they, they look at it as like, oh, they, they never told us how good it can kind of be. And then in the course of that, we end up getting the origin story of how one of the uh, characters was turned into a vampire, which makes me think as this goes on, we'll get each of the young uh, little monsters or young kid vampires, their story as it goes. And then maybe the book changes like near the end of this issue. And, um, instead of a book called little monsters, you know, like it's, it's not, the book isn't what I thought it was about. Maybe it might be about something else or at least something happened that I didn't expect. And as I get older, I miss seeing things and, and that, that take me uh, off guard. And this book kind of does it. And I, I, I do like the, the way it kind of adds something at the end of the issue. I'm, I'm being vague. I know, but I yeah, really yeah, no spoilers, it. no spoilers. Right. I really like it. And uh, if, if, if you've ever liked Jeff Lemire or D- Dustin Wynn, I, I really say try this book. And it's striking in the black and white art of Dustin Wynn where he, he adds the color, obviously, with the with the blood, which yes. is the new fad, black, white, and red. But then for weird stuff, he adds, like, color for other stuff. And I think it gives it a distinctive look, adding that other color on top of all the black and white and reds that are out there, if that makes any sense. Right. And I, I thought the the best part of it was, you know, we get the uh, origin of one of the characters, you know, who is presented as the lead. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romy, I think their name is. Yes. And where it's Romy uh, is presented with the same scenario um, that one of the other characters, Billy, is presented with. Right. Mm-hmm. And the book, for the most part of it, like I would say for 80 percent of the book is how these two characters deal with handle react to this situation that happens okay mm-hmm. a person who's injured and obviously Romy does what they do billy is the one that for the first time tastes human blood mm-hmm. and uh you know it, it kind of felt as though the book was going to set things up it's like well these kids are together now there's going to be maybe like an animal farm sort of split between the two groups. Like Billy is going to lead the one group 
of people looking for human blood. Romy's going to lead the other group of the ones that aren't. And then we get that little twist at the end, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, didn't see that coming, but it fits within it. We're only two issues in. Uh, as you mentioned, I think Dustin Nguyen's art is always really good. Um, and obviously the black, white, and red stuff that a lot of the companies are doing with their stuff. Uh, the fact that they're not, they image the publishers, Jeff Lemire, everyone involved with this book aren't like, they're not calling it black, white, and red little monsters. It's not the title of the book. Right. But you look at the cover of the book and you know exactly what's going on. You know what the interiors are going to look like. I agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I really like this book. Um, I am kicking myself a little bit cause I think I got the wrong variant cover. Um, cause they do show like, here's the one cover and here's the other cover. And they're both like 50 fifties, you know? Right. And I'm like, Oh, I like that. Other, uh, that cover better. If I saw that one, I would have grabbed it, you know, sight and like, or no, no, that's the cover for issue three. My apologies. So I need to make sure that when I'm picking my covers for next month, I get the one that they preview in the back of the issue. Okay, I have to look that up now. I got yeah, I just, there's just something about it. Like, the way, like, I just feel like that one pops, you know? Right, I get you. Oh, but this is a fun book. It's self-contained. Uh, it just started. Obviously, I'm sure, I, I haven't seen any crazy things about it selling out or anything like that. And you can always get books digitally if you're so inclined, you know? Right, yep. Um, but uh, good books. Uh, I know you had said last week that this was going to be one of those weird, like, five wednesday months but it's actually a four wednesday month it just so happens like the last wednesday of the month is just overflowed with stuff like it's it was a light week last week it's a light week this week for me at least and i think for you but um yeah, it's like i was looking ahead like a week from now two weeks from now just like oh boy we're, we're like we're gonna spread these out guys you know right i think because i was looking at a past last month was a five-week month yeah and my brain just got stuck so whatever Gotcha. So speaking of which, uh, that's what we read last week. Let's look forward to what we're uh, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is, you get your books. Be forewarned, be forearmed. Know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is in the lead with five correct guesses over me. I have a feeling there's not going to be much change here. Looking at your very small list and my very small list, I think the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Ghost in You, A Reckless Book by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. It is. And I'm just going to say ditto. Does that narrow it down? Absolutely. Okay. And uh, this is one of those ones when they solicit it out, like sometimes on the preview site, they'll have the full uh, a reckless book and sometimes they won't. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you go to the site, sometimes they'll make it clear and sometimes they won't. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. That's all. Uh, You know, I'm an I'm an old dumb man. You know, I need to have these things sometimes spelled out to me is all, you know. Right. And I could have swore the first two were called a reckless book, blah, blah, blah. The name of the story. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like Reckless preceded whatever the title was. Right, so when I was looking for this, I was looking in the R's, not the, you know what I mean? Yes. And that's why you ended up getting email. I'm like, oh, you sent it to me. And I just cut and paste my list that I had pulled. And I was like, wait a minute, Reckless is coming out this week? I'm like, oh, okay, it begins with a G, not an R. 
So wonder I didn't find it. So. So uh, again, like that's what we're looking forward to. We'll be talking about that, I'm sure, and maybe something else next week. Um, but I think right here, uh, before we get into the next bit, uh, we'll make the announcement. So very rarely does it happen. Uh, I can count on one hand how many times that we have had guests on the show, let alone guests. Uh, but guests that are creators in the world of comic books and guests that we both are huge fans of on the show. Right. It doesn't happen very often, but when the stars align, we do everything that we can to make it happen. Uh, so next week, ahead of their upcoming image title, the clean version of the title is called I Hate This Place. <laughs> uh, the dirty version is called something else that we can't say on this show. Um, but we are going to have uh, on the show writer of that book and writer artist extraordinaire Kyle Starks on the show. Yes. Uh, and... So I'm very excited for that. Um, I think we have a good uh, idea lined up, however long the conversation goes. Uh, he's a very busy man, of course. Uh, but we're doing this to, you know, because we, Todd and I, are fans of his books. Uh, whether it was Rock Can Candy Mountain, whether it was Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, or even the stuff that preceded those. It was always the books that we were most looking forward to. It was always the stuff that filtered the top of our list. It was always the stuff that we talked about. Um, so he's doing the full court press here, you know, final order cutoff date, trying to get in as many interviews, podcasts, et cetera, as he can. So, you know, we're going to help him out, have him on the show, you know? And he's been on the show before, right? Uh, it's been a long time. But does that technically make Kyle Starks a two-timer? Uh, he'll be the first two-timer. I believe so. I think he's the first two-timer on this show. Do I... Uh, see, that's the thing. I feel bad. I don't remember him being on before. Didn't he come on? He Isn't he the wrestling fan? He is oh, a no, wrestling maybe, fan. Maybe I'm thinking, I could have swore he was on and you had me do all my bits about like, like the, uh, the Ottawa betrayal and like he no sold everything. Oh yeah. So as I'm looking here. Uh, this was, uh, about seven years ago. See, I remember. Yeah. So you, you have to understand, like, uh, you know, maybe like my mind don't work the same way Todd's mind works. Oh, nobody's mind works the way my mind works. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, so we'll, uh, I'll, we'll see, you know, being that I didn't remember, we'll see if Kyle remembers he was on the show before. <laughs> right. Oh, boy. All right. So uh, we have that to look forward to for next week. Um, let's do the results of what is in the slot of Todd and Joe Have Issues, which is the silver standard. Everyone knows the Flash's rogues gallery is the number one rogues gallery in all of comic books. Todd thinks Batman's rogues gallery is second best. I think Spider-Man's is second best. We're putting the dregs, the bottom of the barrel <laughs> characters of those rogues galleries against each other, letting you, the listeners, vote to see who moves on in this giant tournament bracketing that we put together with friend of the show, Grinch McScrooge. And moving on and not even having to pull out, like uh, you had said that the ringer is named after a basketball man who's popular now. Yeah, A.B. Uh, okay. The Brow. Is that like B.A. Baracus? No, no, that's a different character. Okay. 
Uh, like, I didn't send any tweets out, like, with his name in it so people would catch it, like, on a wrong search SEO or something. Right. I tried to be as pure as possible, and the ringer moves on. Right. I was, uh, uh, so let's uh, look at our next matchup, and I'll let you go first. Good, because I was going to ask to go first because I have about, like, a minute of, like, speaking, and that's about it. All right. Um, the, the villain I'm I'm doing this week is Captain Stingery. Yes, that's the name you heard. That's the most trusted name in Batman villains. Um, he is a pirate-themed villain. Um, and while he may not look stupid, um, the whole gimmick behind him, because pirates, you know, are inherently cool. I'll, I'll, I'll grant that. But his gimmick is so lame. He is a person who has a uh a, a exclusive nightclub. So he's doing very well. That's called the Stingery, named like a uh, shaped like a pirate ship. So that's his thing. So he's doing well. He decides, um, I want to take down Batman for no reason. It's explained, but he believes Batman is three people that the Batman has trained himself. And the reason, you know, he's so good is it's three different people and they're out doing their. So he goes, he captures all three of them. Yes, he does. He captures all three of them. And they turn out to be triplets, Joe. And he's like, I knew it was always them. But it was a scheme by Batman to throw him off guard. And he shows up and he's, wait, there's four of them? And he ends up capturing this, this pirate-themed villain. And he takes him off to jail. And the three triplets were like, oh, thank you for saving us. Like, he was, you know, he was coming to get us. And he goes, yeah, I know. And he thought you were the Batman because he's crazy. And he's your brother, I identical fourth one your quadruplets and i'm like this makes no sense i don't know what's happening what it's the dumbest thing ever and just you know take your money from your exclusive nightclub shaped like a pirate ship and live your life he's not doing it for villainly or any other reason i don't know what the reason is and in the end, like the creators who created them were mad because they're like oh we want this cool pirate villain and the editor was like all right Captain Stingery is his name. Do we have to go with that? They're like, yeah, I saw a movie once in the 40s with that name. And the kids love the name Stingery. And they're like, and from then on, we were saddled with that. And the character never went anywhere. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Any, anytime a pirate shows up, it's cool. Uh, he's got Sting in his name, uh, named oh. after one of the best wrestlers in the world, you know? Kabuki Stingery. Right. Kabuki Crow Stingery. <laughs> right. Uh, so my character is a little bit more 90s of a character, right? Mm hmm Hey, Todd. Mm hmm You like death from the Sandman comics, right? Yes. The, the white skin, the black hair, you know, the mysteriousness around her. Mm-hmm. And hey, Todd, you like Harley Quinn from the Batman universe, you know? Right I now do. she's only on the cartoon, but, you know, she's kind of like a breakout star. Mm-hmm. What if, Todd, we took the look of death from the Sandman comics and mixed it with kind of sort of the origin of Harley Quinn? What would you get, Todd? Uh, I don't know. Uh, a winner? A number one? You would one? get my character this week, Shriek. Okay. Uh, Shriek, a.k.a. Sandra Deal, or Francis Lewis Barrison. They'd kind of flip-flop between the two original names. They'd say one was an alias and the other one wasn't an alias. It was very kind of like loosey-goosey with her, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, she had a rough upbringing. Her mother was very abusive to her. 
that led her to doing drugs. And then that led to her becoming a drug dealer. Then, while being a drug dealer, she was shot in the head by a police officer. Cloak and dagger, of course. You know, they're trying to help kids and drugs get off the street and everything. Uh, They attempt to save her. But the gunshot to the head, combined with Cloak's dark force dimensions, say it with me, everyone, awakened her latent mutant abilities (laughs) that gave her both electronic blast that she could shoot out of her mouth and also a low-level mind control power. But because she was so damaged, uh, you know, the, the gunshot to the head, the rough upbringing, she sidled herself up alongside Carnage during the Maximum Carnage crossover where we get Carnage, we get Doppelganger, Demogoblin, Previous people that have been in this tournament, Maximum Carnage has churned out all the winners, right? Right. So during Maximum Carnage, they did this thing where Carnage was the dad of the group and Shriek was the mom of the group. So you've got like this real weird, creepy dynamic between all of these characters going on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously at the end of Maximum Carnage, Carnage gets away. All the other folks get put back into Ravencroft. Uh, While in Ravencroft, uh, Shriek attempts to escape and teams up with, sadly, people, uh, even with these names, did not come up on any lists, so they must have been like the bottoms of the bottoms. Gale, Pyromania, and Weber um, to attempt to stage a coup at Ravencroft, and of course they were immediately shut down by Spider-Man, okay? Mm-hmm. As we lead up to the Clone Saga, one of Todd's favorite uh, storylines in all of Spider-Man dumb, um, Malcolm McBride, who was Carrion, uh, trying to reform himself, um, is at Ravencroft. He is put in a cell next to Shriek. Shriek is recognizing him from their time together as a family during Maximum Clonage, Maximum Carnage, rather, excuse me, she then steals the carrion virus from Malcolm McBride. It's not really clear how she does it. She just does it, okay? Mm-hmm. And she puts it inside of herself and starts to treat it as though it's her child. Spider-Man incapacitates her, puts her back into Ravencroft, and it's with the carrion virus in this state that allows the jackal in the Clone Saga to come and take the carrion virus from her that Shriek still thinks is her child to do that whole thing where he was going to kill off all the non-clones, if you remember, in Maximum Clonage. So she's already got ties to two horrible Spider-Man storylines here. And if that wasn't bad enough, Todd, what's worse than taking two popular 90 characters from another company and mashing them together is that when the character fails, you turn them into... The female version of another character. Now, we've already had female versions of Venom that maybe might be coming up on the list a little bit later on. But she becomes the lady version of Carnage after the Carnage symbiote is taken from space after Sentry ripped it apart in the Brian Michael Bendis Avengers book. Hal Industries, again, this doesn't strike a bell with me, bring the symbiote to test it on different people because Shriek had the past connection with 
Carnage, it attempts to bond to her, and she becomes the Carnage person called Scorn. And again, of course, she's easily beaten by Spider-Man. And since then, she's just had, like, little pop-ups here and there where, like, oh, she's, you know, and then she hits the the bottom of the barrel, which is the worst thing that can happen to you if you're a Spider-Man villain. You get to be in a Deadpool book so Deadpool can make fun of you. Wow. And she ends up uh, on a team taking on Spider, uh, Spider-Woman and Deadpool. Uh, it's her, the Gibbon, the Griffin, and Ruby Thursday. All, all heavy hitters, Joe. All heavy hitters. Then another time, Deadpool and the Great Lakes Avengers take on Shriek, Firebrand, uh, and someone called Nain Rogue, I guess, right? But uh, Shriek is now sadly just a joke character. Uh, she's made fun of. She's a punching bag for Deadpool, which is really the bottom of the barrel of what can happen to you as a Spider-Man villain. But she started off so strong. It's like, hey, let's take someone that looks like death, has Harley Quinn's kind of banter, speech patterns, whatever. Because you may not know this, that... Uh, when Carnage was created, Carnage inten- Carnage's intent was to be Spider-Man's Joker. Really? Yes, that was their intent. To have, like, that wild, unpredictable character. Because they were turning Venom babyface. Um, and they're like, well, Venom really wasn't, like, Venom was his own thing. But if Spider-Man's our Batman, that he needs his Joker. I guess we could do that with Venom. Well, there's money to be made with turning Venom into a babyface. Let's just make a new symbiote and have him be like, he was Jokerified before people were being Jokerified on a daily basis online, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but Shriek is terrible. Vote for her. And uh, I don't know. That pirate sounds pretty cool. Um, but let me say this. What Captain Stingery was never in was a huge hit of a movie like Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. Where, you know, Shriek was one of the major villains in that movie, thereby cementing Shriek as a legendary villain character. Mm. So, sorry, that's the rules. I don't make them. I just adhere to them. Well, I would have to see that movie to know if that's true is all. Right. And I don't think I don't think there was a Venom 1, let alone a Venom 2, to be completely honest with you. There was plenty of Venoms. Mm-hmm. So the uh, voting will be up tomorrow. Um, you can get a good look at these characters. I think we did good jobs of describing what these uh, cornballs look like, right? Yeah, mine looked like a pirate. <laughs> so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out uh, all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, you can head over to our store where you could buy shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Um, hey, and if you're coming to... Uh, the LVAC show at the uh, Weibacher Brewery on May 6th. Just let me know. I'll bring them with me, and uh, it'll save all of us on shipping, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can head over to our Tee Public store, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes, and you can buy uh, notebooks and cell phone covers and all sorts of other things with logos inspired by this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Add-Outs with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Hit My Music, uh, you want to help us out and get a little bit more uh, bang for your buck, if you will, sign up for our Patreon. As little as a dollar a month is going to give you two bonus shows every month from Todd and I. 
one previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. And hey, we're talking 1992. The comics industry is about to blow up something fierce. Mm-hmm. And we're right on the cusp of it. And uh, you also get the full scans of those cat uh, previews catalogs. I think all of 91 and everything up to 92 is there. So even if you just want to thumb through those digitally and see what those look like, they're all up on the Patreon. Mm-hmm. You can get our movie show, which this year is Piero Mounties looking at the films of independent stalwart Mark Piero. Uh, this month's coming up is Nudist Colony of the Dead. And if you are at the $5 and up level, you get those shows early, two weeks before everyone else. And you also get After Dark two days before everyone else. So you get to listen to those shows in the correct listening order. Yes. And hey, you know what? We're moving out of the plugs. We never said what. Uh, no, we did say what next week. I'm looking at like next week, next week's uh, s- uh, uh, silver standard is. My apologies. Uh, right. The weather is really doing a number on me today. You're fine. I was out of it too earlier, so. That's okay. And one more way that you can help us out, of course, is by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. Uh, they, Amazon, call it an advertising fee uh, because if it was not for us. You would not know that Amazon exists. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this week include uh, a book entitled Queen's Hope, uh, which is a Prince Amidala Star Wars novel of some kind. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somebody also purchased the latest Jack White album, Fear of the Dawn. Yeah. Not fear of the dawn of the dead, sadly. Right. All of the deads kind of run together for me. Right. Um, There was a fear of the Walking Dead TV show, right? Still is. There still is. And there's a dawn of the dead, right? There was two movies called Dawn of the Dead. At least two. I wonder if this album is somehow connected to either one of those. I highly doubt it. Okay. Uh, somebody purchased a 10-pack of IDLB888 10-cube corrugated shipping boxes. Oh, I wonder how wide and tall and long they are, Joe. Well, they're 8x8x8. Eight by eight by eight. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, somebody purchased a Val 4 Toy 82-piece mini dinosaur toy set for Dino Party Cupcake Toppers. Just hope the kids don't eat them. That's right. And somebody also purchased the hardcover of Deadpool Bad Blood, uh, which is actually the uh, Chris Sims, Chad Bowers, the Rob um, original graphic novel of Deadpool from a couple years ago that's actually being serialized in single issues starting this month with some extra stuff. So there you go. Yeah. Again, listen, I'm I'm a the Rob understander. I always said that, so. So I think that's it uh, for the main show outside of getting into a discussion of Moon Knight, right? Right. Uh, So we bid you adieu if you're not up to date on Moon Knight. And we're always going to be a week behind on Moon Knight because Moon Knight comes out on Wednesday. We record on a Tuesday. So we're always going to be talking about like last week's episode, right? Right, right. Uh, So I want to point out here and other people had pointed out to me as well online uh, that in the first two episodes, there were very visible QR codes. 
Yes, I forgot to mention that last week, yes. Yeah, and apparently if you scan them with your device, you get a free Moon Knight comic book. Which I think is a fabulous idea. Yeah, and like, I'm surprised it took them this long. I, at first when I saw the QR codes, I thought Jerry had brought back Snip Stamp. Oh, the Snippy Dippy. Yeah. Uh, So again, like I said, I'd be remiss not to mention that. Um... So, okay, I'm I'm looking over my notes. My handwriting is poor, so I apologize. You're fine. Uh, so we get a recap from last week. Uh, we get uh, Steven going through, like, kind of dealing with him for the first time being awake or being aware that there's something else, someone else going on. And we're getting a lot more discussion between him and Mark Spector in Reflections. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark is telling him, just let him take over. Go lay down, go take a nap, and let me take over. Let me fix all this, you know, because there's a problem. We need this issue. We need this resolved. I could take care of it. You can't. You're in over your head. Um, Steven's like, no, no, no. Um, you know, we could prove this. I could prove what's going on. He goes to his work. Uh, he goes to the security guy. Let's look at the security tape because there was a whole big to do at the museum that he worked at the night before. But on the tape is nothing other than Stephen reacting to nothing mm-hmm. because they can't prove that he was being chased by these weird dog jackal animal things. There's nothing on the tape. He is let go from his job. Um, right. They of do all the tell damage. him that he does need to return anything that he has, including his name tag that he's wearing. And they do recommend to him a good psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Now, we, he then, Stephen is relenting or relaying all of this to uh, the man outside, the man who's painted gold, one of those like weird robot panhandler type guys. Right, the statues, when you give them money, they move or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if that character is going to be someone that gets revealed or if that's just something quirky they threw in there for quirky sake. I know he's definitely a character from Moon Knight's comic. Uh-huh. So they like somebody that I know that's a Moon Knight fan was like, yeah, that's so and so. So I, I have a feeling they will end up becoming a part of the show, you know, more right. of than just sitting around. If you get my meaning, yes. Uh so he, uh Stephen, is convinced by Mark to go to this storage unit that he has set up, mm-hmm. and it seems as though. Oh, sorry. No, I said I think he just decided because he found the key. Like that's right. That's what it was. Keep, right. But, so, so he finds the key. He goes to the storage unit, and it's definitely set up that someone is living there because there's a cot. There's all sorts of other stuff there. But there's also a gym duffel bag that has guns, money, a passport, and the scarab from the previous episode. Mm-hmm. So uh, when... Steven activates the scarab. Uh, the scarab starts to go point towards something as Steven goes to leave. Khonshu peers behind him and is essentially chasing him. He runs around like the little maze-like thing and ends up behind Khonshu. Steven runs out. Layla, the girl who he had called last week when he found the phone that was hidden in his house, comes by in a motorcycle, picks him up. We find out that Layla is Mark's wife. Mm-hmm. And she had been looking for Mark, thinking that Stephen is just Mark acting funny, 
to get him to sign off on their divorce papers. But this is the first time that Steven is meeting Layla and he realizes how much they have in common. And I think he's starting to fall in love with her. Right. Which was very interesting. Um, So the cops show up, or at least what we think are the cops. They see that he has maybe some stolen items from his job. They find the duffel bag with the money and the fake passport. At least we think it's fake because, again, of course, they think it's fake because it's tough to explain these sort of things. Layla has grabbed the scarab and she has gotten out of there so these two cops cannot find her. But it seems as though these cops are working for uh, Arthur Harrow, who we saw set up as the villain in the previous episode. And he's kind of selling Stephen a bill of goods of like, hey, our little city here, it was the most crime-ridden city in the area, and we've all worked very hard together to get that fixed and to kind of be self-sustainable and everything else like that. And I know Conchu's talking to you, and I'm guessing all the stuff correctly, what I'm saying, which makes me think that he could hear Conchu because he's guessing it right all the time, or maybe Conchu doesn't have a lot of things to go to in his playbook. <laughs> um, and he's just like, hey, give me the scarab, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole time Mark is telling him no, Conchu's telling him no, so Steven's like, okay, no, like, or Steven's telling him not to give up, or uh, Mark's telling Steven not to give up Layla. Right. Um, and then Layla shows up with the scarab. There's a little bit of a fight sequence there. And Layla keeps telling him to summon the suit, summon the suit. You know, I know you have a suit, a thing that you you get, and it gives you these powers, and it lets you do things. And because Steven doesn't know what she's talking about, and he summons the suit, this is how we get the Mr. Knight outfit, where he just... Wearing a suit with a mask, and he's got the two clubs and everything, and he's fighting the the jackal thing um, that nobody else can see, and people just think that he's like a, a crazy drunk person. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, then um, so they they kind of fend him off. Uh, they're able to get the suit to transform into the Moon Knight suit that we all know and love. And uh, help me out here. And he ends up uh, basically through a series of events. Uh, Stephen drops the scarab, so Ethan Hawke ends up getting it. I forget his his name in the in the story. And Arthur he ends Morrow. up right. So uh, he uh, he's like, oh, I, that happened. And because Stephen let uh, Mark take over, he ends up taking over, and he ends up beating like the the stuff that he needs. Um, he's like, now that I have you, you know, I'm out. I'm never, I'm not letting you out again because you want to do all this. And if I don't, uh, for Conchu, he's going to take Layla as the next Moon Knight. And we don't want that. So I'm willing to do all this to save kind of her. So he ends up controlling uh, Steven. And Steven's like, you know, mad because he's stuck in the reflection and now I guess Mark's, you know, in, in total control. A couple of things that I that I liked about uh, this episode and overall um, is that, uh, especially with uh, Oscar Isaac playing Steven and Mark when they're outside the costumes, I love the fact that he, we instantly know who's driving by the eyes. Like, he is that good of an actor. And then that they do the Mr. Knight and the Moon Knight suits so when they're in the costume and we can't see them 
we have two different things. I'm like, that's all brilliant as far as I'm concerned. So you get to see all that stuff. And I'm really glad they didn't go like straight to Thanos when uh, they were mentioning all the villains. Like if, if, you know, if this person was around, this person, around, the, the God I'm trying to bring back would have stopped it. And he, and that they, they don't mention Thanos. And it makes me wonder maybe because everything he did was reversed. So blah, blah, blah. But I, I do kind of like that. And I like that Steven's like the bill of goods that he's trying to sell him is he's like, so uh, stop anybody at any cost, even if they're a baby. I kind of draw the line at killing babies. And as he's like, even Steven, who's not in all of his faculties most of the time, is like showing you all the flaws in his well laid out plan to like what they want, want to do. So I really like that. And I like the looks of the characters and everything. Uh, Moon Knight is really fun right now. Uh, yeah, for sure. So, uh, the other part that I missed was, um, uh, Arthur Haro's big thing is that Khonshu, uh, is here for retribution, but he's always too late. Right. They need to be ahead of the schedule, and that's why they need to summon Amit. Amit needs to be resurrected, because Amit is going to be the one that helps them with this killing of the people before they could do something 30 years down the road, as opposed to let's say, resolve the problem and maybe fix them so they can't do that. Amit and Arthur Haro's thing is, no, we'll just kill them now and that'll fix things. Let's not take the chance, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there was one bit of dodgy special effects in this episode. Oh, here we go. Um, but other than that, I really like the episode. Uh, like I said before, you know, Moon Knight, you know, when we're talking about like your Power Girl and more specifically Red Tornado... Um, if this is how you have to work the different looks of Moon Knight into the show, even though it does not line up with the continuity of how it happened to the comics, I don't think anyone's going to care. I think you're just going to be happy to see your favorite looks and feels and so forth of Moon Knight on, you know, the small screen. I agree. And I wonder, because I don't know a lot about Moon Knight, but I kind of remember that his powers kind of worked in the phases of the moon at one point. Remember at one point. Yes. Right. I'm wondering if they're going to work all that in. Cause he's like jumping around now and like at night when he's doing that, I kind of noticed the moon in the sky if it's there. Um, so like it was a quarter moon for this and I'm like, Oh, is he only his quarter as strong? I, I don't know. It's just, I just, I just wonder if they'll bring that in or if that's as far as they want to go that they're like, okay, now we have to figure out lunar stuff. I don't have, I don't have time for that. You know? Right. Uh, but I've enjoyed Moon Knight, you know, and we have Moon Knight, one more to watch. Then uh, this weekend is the uh, Doctor Who special, right? Right. I know you can't wait. Uh, I'm okay. Sea Devils, baby. Sea Devils. What happens when you see Devils? You run? Is that what they say? Right. Yes, that's what it is. I think... I think it's going to be a good show next week. Nice short show next week. Get it out of the yeah, way. Yeah, listen, we're, we're in control of that. We could certainly uh, determine right. how much show or little their show is. But uh, we'll definitely get into that. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, this was episode 601 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain.
You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. 